in postpartum, I struggled a lot with my mental health and I noticed that it was just exponentially worse after a night of drinking. And I don't even mean like I wasn't going out clubbing. I had a baby, but even just like a glass of wine here or two margaritas there or something. I noticed, especially on those days that I was like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to mom today. Mm-hmm. And that was a big wake up call for me. Cause I was like, wait a second. I think I'm an amazing mom and I love this. So why am I doing something that actively makes me want to not do that? Welcome to the Active Ingredient Podcast, your destination for all things personal and professional growth. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and I am an intentional brand builder on a mission to inspire people to build not only their dream businesses that are fully in alignment and that actually feel good for them to be in, but more importantly, to create well-rounded lives that are in alignment with their values. I believe that we can only grow outward in proportion to how aligned we are internally. And that slowly but surely, we are all capable of creating lives that feel incredibly fulfilling to be fully present in. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Active Ingredient. This is my third time trying to do this intro because I am back in New York and there has been so much noise outside. I am so happy to be here. I, For those of you who don't know, I... Lived in New York for 10 years and moved back to Miami, but I still split time between New York and Miami. I'm just primarily in Miami over New York, but I come like every month or so back. Um, And I will say that it just really invigorates me every single time I'm here for a shorter trip for work, but it's just the second that I land, I just get injected with so much incredible energy. And I'm just really happy to be here. This morning, I went to a dance class at Forward Space. For those of you who do not know, and if you're based in New York, or if you're going to travel to New York, please do yourself a favor and go take a Forward Space class. I am still on a high from that class. I just like literally cannot recommend it enough. I actually don't think I've talked about this on the show before, but I... And it's weird that I haven't considering like my cornerstone question for this show is what were you like as a kid? And as a kid, personally, dancing was my life. I danced my entire childhood. It's legitimately where I came alive. And you know, as an adult, I just haven't really prioritized dancing in my day-to-day or in my weeks. I, I do so from time to time. I'll take a Zumba class here, but like... After doing this class, I am just committed to finding a way to incorporate dance back into my life because what I felt today was just the same thing I felt the last few times I've gone to a forward space class, which is just like this reconnection to that younger part of me that was just so full of life, who genuinely loved to dance and who came alive doing that. So I'm going to take a page out of my own active ingredient book and find a place to do that in Miami. If anyone has any suggestions, um, I posted it on my stories and some people sent through a few, but I'm always open. So if you have any suggestions, let me know. But if you are in New York or you're planning to come, definitely check out Forward Space if you want like a good time. And Before I get into what this week's episode is, just like another note on dancing. I talk all the time about how yoga is my grounding tool. It is. It's 1000% the tool that to me is like where I connect to like the peace that I know exists within me, not to be like so woo woo, but like that's, that's where I connect to like my most grounded, like my, my wiser self, I guess. So to me, that is like my foundation, but 
I'm a person who has a lot of energy and especially when I'm going through hard things, there is a lot of excess energy in my body that sometimes a yoga class isn't going to cut it on how much energy I need to get out of my system. So, you know, sometimes people say like, you need to like jump and shake. And I actually, I have a trampoline outside of my balcony in Miami. And like, I will literally use that all the time to just like get energy out. But there is just nothing like what I felt today in this dance class. So I am like, for the sake of just moving things out of my body, because we are energetic beings, I need to find a dance class in Miami. So let me know um, where to go if you have any suggestions. This week's episode is with Cameron Rogers, who is truly such a breath of fresh air. And if you don't know who she is, she is a content creator. She is a podcast host of Freckled Foodie and Friends. And she is the creator of the Freckled Foodie Instagram account, which is now by her name, Cameron Oaks Rogers. So I'll link all of her stuff in the show notes. And she puts out content on motherhood, mental health, and she's just honestly a breath of fresh air on the internet. This was a refreshingly honest conversation around what it's really like to be a content creator and building a career on the internet, navigating comparison. It's a big one. Pivoting out of the quote unquote safe job to go after the thing that your heart is actually calling you to do, very active ingredient, coming in and out of being excited about what you're doing, which is normal, (laughs) according to this conversation. And I think it is normal. We go into boundaries, letting go of alcohol, and just so many topics that are and have been very top of mind for me. So if you love this episode, it would be really, really helpful for you to rate the show on either Apple or Spotify, wherever it is that you listen, because it actually really does help the show grow a ton. So with that, Cameron, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I love having fellow podcasters on because I feel like we can really nerd out about just the podcast space in general. Totally. It's also just so much easier. How do you feel being on the other side? I love it. Really? Love. No oh pressure? No pressure. I love Like, it. I love hosting, but with interviews, I feel my brain is always partially listening to what they're saying and then trying to hold myself back from interrupting with my own points and simultaneously thinking about the next question. And so I leave and I'm like, what did I even say? Did I ask this? I wish I had gone this direction. So I love having no pressure. It really is like this thing. Does this ever happen to you in podcasting that you just like black out and you're like, oh fuck, what's the, what's yep. the next thing? I'm like, what were we even saying? No, it happens yeah. to me all the time. So I'm, I'm happy for you that you're on this side. <laughs> Thank you. And I am on the stress side, but I'm really excited to just like talk about influencing and just like being in the space. Now you're pregnant with your second. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious what your feeling is about just the creator economy and just being an influencer right now in 2023? Oh my gosh. Well, it really depends on the hour. I actually was just texting my friends this, and I guess it's on brand, is like my toxic tree is that I can get so down about myself and mm-hmm. like really beat myself up in my head, but then simultaneously think I like deserve the world. <laughs> so oh, it's such a confusing conundrum where like I'll beat myself up in terms of like the content I'm putting out. I I'm in a little bit of a depressive era, as I said to you, just pregnancy messes with my brain a little bit. And I get in my own head and I get very comparative and just down on me because I think 
I don't feel any creativity or like pull or draw to my work that I normally am very excited by. Because you're tired from the pregnancy? I'm just exhausted and mentally- From life or from the pregnancy? Parenting and the pregnancy. Okay. Just balancing. Yeah. Because I, and I asked specifically because I feel like I am not pregnant, but I relate to that like feeling of just like not being inspired. And then one day having so much clarity and excitement and like wanting to go for it full force. And then other days I'm like, why am I doing this? Oh yeah. Like literally why? But I think that's a lot of entrepreneurs in general. Yeah. I know for me, so much of it's hormonal, like non-pregnancy, the week that I ovulate. I know some people feel like Beyonce. I am like, lock me in a room. Don't let me make any (laughs) rash decisions because I hate everything. Um, Mine is luteal. Like luteal phase is like literally watch out. Like I have to be terrible. So I don't know. I think it's really easy for me to get down on myself in these moments of not feeling excited by or driven. I, I think what it is, is that I felt so high on my career and work right before getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then there's such a shift that I miss that past version of me. And I say this to everyone who's pregnant, you have to look at the pregnant version of yourself and the non-pregnant version of yourself as two different people, because you cannot compare what they're doing in a day, what they're accomplishing, any of those things, how they spend their time, because it's so different and you will just beat yourself up the entire pregnancy. Yeah. So I try to remind myself of that as well. But I say all this because then there are things like today, Alex Cooper, speaking of podcasting, yesterday she announced that she's doing this whole new network called like Unwell. So I I think it's an umbrella of shows that she's kind of in Mm. charge of. And they just announced their first two roster people, hosts. One, I honestly don't know who it is. I forget her name. Wait, I need to look someone. this up. I did not know that she announced this. And Alex Earl. So, so smart. I so fucking smart. Sense. But in my head, meanwhile, I've been beating myself up all morning. I'm like, well, why? I want to be that. And then- it, like, You want to like, be like in, under the umbrella or like creating well, an I mean, umbrella? Alex Cooper is kind of like living my dream life, if we're being honest. Yeah. Um. So it's a confusing conundrum for me because I beat myself up, but then I also think that I- I'm great. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like I that's just really uh, human. It's <laughs> my therapy. No, it's it's extremely human. I mean, that the whole point of the show is to talk about those things. And it's like in the in-between moments when you want to just like blow up your life and say like, I want to start from scratch or do something completely different. But it's like, I'm curious about the time when you were saying that your career was on a high. Yeah. Like what was happening that you're attaching to? Right. Yeah. Well, sorry. I also never answered your question about how I feel being a creator <laughs> in today's world. In this moment, I think a lot of us feel there's just so much that everyone's pumping out that we constantly have to be on to feel like we're progressing or even like maintaining what we've built. And that is so exhausting. And so I just took a full week off of work, but also consuming social media. And it's amazing how much more I love my life when I do that. So I'm trying to implement that more because the more I consume, I think the worse it is for my brain. And I think that there are such exciting things being done in this space. And I think really impactful things and meaningful and great communities are being built and people are feeling seen. And then I also think we're all just consuming too much. We know way too much about people's lives. So that's how I feel and like about we're fatigued too. Like I feel so like we're fatigued. fatigued like from creating, but it's also like fatiguing to watch. Like, no, it's fatiguing as a consumer as well. Yeah, it's so it, so 
what do you think about the space then right now? Like if that's the, I, I, I'm talking about this with editors. I'm talking like in, in everything yeah. and everything. I just feel like the overconsumption is just like reaching this point where like, we're all waking up faster. We're all kind of just like craving the slowdown at the same time. We're also still addicted. So like, we still need that hit, but it's like, what is the spot that feels more doable and who is it going to take to like break that cycle? Because like what we were talking about before starting recording is like potentially going seasonal, right? Because like that feels like you can actually create with like Mm -hmm. intention and like you want to be doing that episode and whatever. But it's like the fear of not doing it every week is that you're losing your audience. Like you with creating content, you're losing like that I feel this way about maternity leave, which is so embarrassing to admit, but true. Like I am trying to implement a maternity leave because there's nothing more important to me than my family. And that will always be my priority. Yeah. And that is time that I want to spend with my children, specifically the new child and bond with him or her. And while I totally know that I want to do that and I am taking steps towards implementing that simultaneously, part of my brain is being like, well, this is when, not when I thrive at all, because it's not when I thrive, but it's content that like I actually am passionate about because it's talking about the realities of postpartum, the struggles of potential mental health stuff. Like there is discussion to be had that I think is so important. So it's drawing that line of like, I don't want to miss that opportunity to share. And I'm not saying for the likes or the views or any of that. I'm saying because I think it's a really important conversation to be had. Yeah. However... I want to prioritize my family. Yeah. So walking that line is also confusing of putting yourself and your mental health first while also having the conversations that I feel are actually impactful and meaningful and necessary within social media. Yeah. How have you done it so far? Because I feel like, I mean, even people that are, are not pregnant or don't have kids, it's like I you see it and you can feel it energetically when someone is like sharing because they know that like sharing vulnerably and I'm doing quotations mm-hmm. gets more views. But you can, nowadays we're waking up faster. Like I said, like you can feel when someone's doing that. Totally. So, I mean, you've obviously like navigated it like pregnant, not pregnant. Like how do you personally process? Because sometimes I feel like if I'm going, like I'm currently going through something, I have not said anything. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a phony because I'm so open and like, I, mm-hmm. I'm so like, I say everything and I feel like, I like what I want to tell people is that like, you're seeing one thing, but like there's 8 million other things that are happening that you have no fucking idea about that one thing looks really happy. But like, I cried myself to sleep the day before right. and right after. But it's like, what at what point do you share that? Or at what point do you just process? I think it's such an individual decision. I don't think there's a right answer. I have always been someone who is very matter of fact, but also just... I kind of put it all out on the table mm-hmm. because that's just how I've always been. Yeah. Pre-content I'm talking about, yeah, like yeah. pre-doing this in my career. And I process by discussing with people. And I think it's- People some, in your life or- Yeah, people okay. in my life. And I think it's sometimes bit me in the foot now that this is my job because it is so weirdly easy where I think it's almost like an issue for me <laughs> to get on my stories. Like, for instance- This past week, I've been really depressed, crying hysterically in the shower every day, like Mm -hmm. texting my husband, being like, I don't know what's going on, but I just cannot stop crying. And I had this realization the other night where I was like, I think I'm really lonely. Like, I think even though I have such incredible people in my life and really, really amazing and close friendships, I feel lonely because we moved to this new house in like a suburban Mm -hmm. town in Jersey. 
and I got pregnant three weeks after. So I wasn't making all of these plans Mm -hmm. and effort to meet people. And simultaneously during pregnancy, when you're so exhausted, just trying to grow a child, but also taking care of a toddler in my situation and working, I have no energy left in me at the end of the day. So like while I have people I could be making plans with, I'm just too fucking tired to do it. And I feel isolated and lonely. And I just pulled up my Instagram and started talking to my stories being like, I had this realization where I think I'm lonely and talking through all of it. And I was like, I'm going to have a vulnerability hangover probably. I'm just (laughs) going to post these and walk away. Everyone have a great night. And then it kind of hit me where I was like, why was that my first reaction to go tell, I don't know, 25,000 people watching my stories versus like calling my sister or my husband? Yeah. Like that is kind of fucked and I have to acknowledge that. But it's like, but is it? Like if that was your- If that was your- Cause like you have, you have the capacity and the ability and I'm sure in several other okay, other occasions you talk to your sister or your husband about it. Yeah. And so like, obviously like, I had those conversations with them as well. But I think for me, I've almost swung the pendulum so far the other way where I need to reel it back in sometimes yeah. and be like, maybe work through this on your own first. Yeah. Simultaneously, you have to figure out what your boundaries are personally. And yeah. look, there's many things in my life that I don't talk about on my platform because as I've grown, I've learned that not everyone is nice. Not everyone loves me, which yeah. is fine. But like I need to protect the people I care about. Yeah. So there are absolutely boundaries that I draw and things that I work through on my own without sharing publicly. And I think that- Do you feel like everyone at is, all? No, because you're entitled to that. Absolutely. Like- you didn't sign over some contract being like, I promise to share every aspect of my life with strangers. Right. But there's like, you know? and I ask because like, especially for, like, I feel like for what you talk about on your podcast, what I talk about on Active Ingredient, it's very like about transparency and it's very about like, you don't see everything. And there's totally like, they're not entitled to every single thing, but it's like a part of me feels like, is it contributing to this like ideal of like things that are a certain Well, that depends on how you're going about it and what it is to you. Like for me, it's more stuff about my family. Like I protect my family members and their business is not anyone else's. Like they didn't suddenly decide they wanted X amount of thousands (laughs) of followers. And also specifically our child's. Um, Like for instance, there are boundaries all draw where we go through stuff as parents if something's happening medically or something's going on that I don't need to share yeah. that on the internet. That's yeah. not even A, my story to tell. I think that's what it is. Is it your story to tell? If it's yeah. not your story to tell, then absolutely there should be zero guilt because it's not even yours. Right. You can say that you're going through something. You can say that you're struggling. I mean, you can say whatever the fuck you want, but like how I approach it is like, you know, there are things happening behind the scenes that are really emotional for me, but it's not my story to tell. So like I'm working through that. I'm not going to say like, my life is so amazing and I love everything. Yeah. Because I think that's what leads to this, like social media is fake. But I go through plenty of things, whether it be my family, with my husband's family, with my extended family, that isn't my business to be sharing. Yeah. And that's what I work through behind closed doors. What's something that you've shared that you're like, wow, like there really is so much shame around this and you have the balls, for lack of a better word, to say it that like makes it so, because like there has to be a reason why like your inclination was to take out your camera and like say it, right? Yeah. Like what is it? I think for me, I get a lot of messages that are like, 
I mean, look, I obviously get trolled as well, unfortunately, but majority are you saying this helps me feel seen or I'm so happy you're talking about this because I feel less guilty feeling these things. And that a lot is surrounding pregnancy and postpartum and parenting. Mm. And for me, when I got pregnant the first time, I was always someone who was so excited to be pregnant. It was really annoying. I was like, my body (laughs) craves it. My friends are like, what the fuck is wrong with you? That's me right now, by the way. Like I was always so excited. I'm like, I'm going to be the most glowing, like happy, (laughs) euphoric woman. And it was a real shock to my system experiencing pregnancy. And I kind of felt like this was three years ago. Why the hell haven't I seen any of this on the internet? Like, why didn't I know that these things were happening? And I started sharing, I did a series, like what the fuck is happening to my body? And just being like, hey, this kind of sucks. Like I can be so happy and grateful that I'm pregnant and really excited to meet my child and simultaneously really dislike this experience. Why is that so hard for us to like hold all these different things? Because people on the internet do not like to hear that. They're like, no, you, okay, it's multifaceted. One is that it's really hard for people to understand. And even myself, I've had to work through rewiring my brain. Two conflicting emotions can coexist at once. Mm -hmm. Like both of those things you can feel and that's okay and that's valid. Two, people unfortunately, like, I don't know what they like to do, but there's a tendency to invalidate others' emotions that are different than your experience. It's as if we believe or can't grasp the idea that people can have different lived experiences than us. Mm -hmm. And three, look, I'm obviously... I don't live under a rock. Everything in terms of fertility, pregnancy, all of that is very emotional for mm-hmm. so many people. Yeah. It's a very touchy subject. And I think what's hard for everyone to understand is that we are all going to have different experiences. You know, on the flip side, I see some people being like, oh, well, they're fucking lying if they love pregnancy. And I'm like, no, maybe they just do. Right. That's great. Oh my God. That right. is so great for them. Yeah. I wish everyone had that experience. Um And we're all allowed to experience different things. And so I started to notice when I was sharing that, I was getting a lot of messages that were like, oh my God, thank you for saying what I was feeling. I I feel so guilty feeling this because I've been told I'm supposed to be so happy and love this. And I got a lot of pushback from people who were not happy with me. How do you deal with that? Does it get to you? I mean, I'm not going to make everyone happy. Yeah, but like, how do you like deal with that? For someone who's listening that Mm. maybe is like aspiring or like putting themselves out there and maybe starting to get that like pushback. It's not easy. And I think it depends. I always say this, like there are certain things people can say to me that I would never care about. Like if, if like, oh God, your freckles. I'm like, I don't fucking care. I love my freckles. <laughs> yeah. Or if they call me a bad mom, none of that gets to me because I think I'm an incredible mom to my child. So there are things that just aren't yeah. top, like hot buttons. Yeah. The hot button topics I work with my therapist and try to unpack. Yeah. I have experienced enough to notice it is 99.9% of the time more about the person sending the message I than feel you. Like all the time, no? Unless, like your reaction unless is you obviously, really F up and there yeah. are like hundreds right. of people saying the same thing. Right. You, you got to take ownership there. Totally. But if it's like the one off of these people just tearing into you, yeah. it's like there is something happening because the other thing for me is like, I just can't imagine ever being in that mindset. It's sad. Like I, I truly cannot fathom. So that gives me a sense of like empathy where I'm like, God, you must be going through something 
to be this worked up over someone you don't know. Yeah. And the other thing for me is I, I really try not to engage. It's not always easy for me. Sometimes I mess up and I do engage, but like I never ever feel better about the situation after engaging. Yeah. And I've learned that the hard way. And so the best advice I can give is just like block, delete, move on, ignore, and keep it moving. Keep it moving. They engage, they want you to engage. They want to rile you up, you know? Yeah. So, okay, I'm curious your thoughts on just like the consumption. We were talking about it earlier. Mm -hmm. Like how on the days that you're having like a lull or that you're feeling like, I just, why am I doing this? Which I said, I've gone through and mm -hmm. I'm not even pregnant and don't have kids. <laughs> how do you, like, what do you do in those eras? Like, do you still show up and do it? And I, I did an episode on this because I don't know what the answer is. It's like, everyone's obsessed with consistency. And we were talking again about like potentially going seasonal or whatever. What is the line? Like, I sometimes I'm like, do you just go with the energy and you just like create from a true place? And like, is yes. that really consistent? Like, is that really like every day doing it for the sake of the algorithm? Or like just not and not growing as much because that's- Oh, sorry. I said yes, because I thought you were going a different route. No, I, like, I, what do you do? Okay, well, my whole thing is like, if I don't feel like showing up, I'm not showing up. Okay. Because if I show up and I'm not in the right headspace or mindset or whatever, then like- it's that it, for no one. Th that content is wasted content anyway. I will show up but and you, sometimes like be like, I fucking feel like shit. So I, yeah. am I allowed to curse on yeah, here? Yeah, I've yeah, dropped yeah, like 10 F-bombs. No. I'm really sorry. I'm on everyone. no networks. So. Okay. <laughs> but I like, yes, I show up most days, a hundred percent, but I am way more active some days. And some days it's just like, no, nah, this is what I was kind of doing. And yeah. you can tell when the, my vibes are not high. And I also am very not afraid to come on and be like, I'm really depressed today. I've cried all morning long. I don't know what's happening. And like, that's fine to show up. Yeah. As long as you're showing up authentically and honestly yeah. and giving yourself the opportunity to take the space if you process. need it. Yeah. But I am never someone who is able, it's not even like I, I won't or I don't want to. I'm not physically able yeah. to show up and be like, everything is so great. Sometimes I wish I could because yeah. I get that sometimes my content feels like downers when I'm going through my depressive yeah. stages. But what I, if for anyone who like is interested in the space, wants to try whatever, the biggest thing that I recommend and what I'm so happy I did, and I'm sure it's hindered me in numbers, but I don't care because it's kept me sane, is that I, from the beginning, showed up as myself. And I set that precedent. Like, I don't care what I look like. I don't care what I'm wearing. I don't care what's behind me. I don't care like if, I, if something's happening. I don't know. But if I show up as myself, then I never have to meet this like unmeetable standard of regularity in the future. Mm. Because if I had told myself like, I will only get on my stories if I have a full face of makeup on and I'm in a cute outfit and there's like an aesthetic background behind me, I would never get on my stories. Right. So setting that precedent in the beginning of just like, this is what you're getting. This is me. I'm going to show up as I am has allowed me, I think, more easily to stay consistent because yeah. then I can show up in honest ways when I'm maybe not feeling my best. Does that make sense? That does make a lot of sense. I'm curious how your, I mean, obviously you evolve as a human. Your content has evolved. When you signed up for this, did you say, I am signing up to post every single day? 
to create one, like I, I, I hear a lot of people that want to go on and they like create these schedules and they like batch all this content. And it's like, for someone who wants to start, like, how did you start? How did it evolve? What's relevant these days? What's yeah. not? No, I did not do any of that. So I was working a very different job in the corporate world in sales and trading, like very intense finance. How old were you? 21, so post-college until 27. And I was living a completely different life, but I was dealing with these digestive issues and long story short, I started to get into cooking. Then it was like kind of the birthing era of like the wellness influencer, food porn accounts around the Mm -hmm. city, that kind of thing. Like phone eats first, those jokes. Yeah. So I started this Instagram account, Freckled Foodie, and did not tell anyone in my life except for my sister and my then boyfriend, now husband. And I was just posting whatever I was cooking and some restaurants that I was eating at. And I was very clear, like my face will never be on this platform. I'm keeping church and state separate. I was young to be covering some pretty big clients at my job. And I never wanted them to think like I wasn't taking it seriously. Mm -hmm. Also, like I was partially embarrassed by this because it was like (laughs) everyone has a food account. So whatever. All of this to say, I had it for about a year, I think. And I just fell in love with the like creativity of it and the cooking. So I was meal planning and prepping for all of my meals. And then I started doing it for all of my friends. I think back to this and I'm like, I was fucking cuckoo banana pants. <laughs> I would create these menus all week. Then I'd send it to my friends. And Saturday, I'd spend all day grocery shopping and prepping. Sunday, I'd prep. And then my friends would like come pick it up at my apartment. What do they pay you? No, they pay <laughs> for groceries. <laughs> I, I wasn't asking them to pay. Like, I, I was insane, insane, burning the candle on both ends to the nth degree. And then I was, like, doing these, like, breakfast sales at our beach town. At first, I was just giving away these, like, prepared breakfasts on the main But with street. what intention? Were you like, I want to start I doing this? I don't even know. You just were like, no, I just honestly have no idea what the intention like, was. Like, it's like you didn't have this, like, vision of, like, I I'm going to create an empire. I think I was young and, like, naive. I don't know. But I was waking up at, like, 5 in the morning on the weekends at the beach to, like, prep all of these things to go give them out for free on the street where people were walking. And I, I think, like— I was lost in the sense of what my end goal was. Never in a million years did I think it would be this. Yeah. I think it maybe it would have been more like a cooking show world. I always mm. loved being on TV and like I wanted to be a sports broadcaster when before I started working in the corporate yeah. world. Like those were all the internships I applied to, but the finance world just works faster. So I yeah. heard back from that first. So yes, like that probably would have been my dream. But I think it was just, I wanted to get the word out there. And I was going to school to be a health coach on the side. I was doing it all. And I eventually got hit by a car while I was crossing the street and had a bad concussion. And so I was on disability for like two months from my job. And during that time, I could not do anything. I couldn't be on my phone. I couldn't- You got hit by a car here in New York? In Brooklyn, yeah. (gasps) Um, I know I kind of like speak gloss it, over that. Yeah, well, it's just I feel like I've said it so many times now that well, I'm my like, audience I forget. hasn't heard it. Sorry, so. yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> it was a snowstorm. I was crossing the street. I was going to a yoga class, and Where in Brooklyn on the corner of White and Fourth, maybe if that cross South or crosses South, I think. Oh my god, it's the um, Sky Ting wherever the Sky yeah. Ting yoga is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a block away. <gasps> I was crossing the last street, and a car like turned really fast 
onto the street that I was crossing just didn't see me and hit the side of my body. I went onto their car, onto the ground, and I had a really bad concussion, and it was my sixth concussion, so it, like, really effed me up. Your previous concussions were from sport? Uh, yes, okay. sport and me thinking I could do a back handspring on concrete. <laughs> so all this to say, I have a history of head trauma, and I took this time because I couldn't do anything else. I started meditating. I was journaling. It was a very big what reflection period for me. I was 27, okay. 2018. This is like a before and after moment for me. Like I think of this as the before and after and then having a child as a before and after and breaking chapters in my life. It just became very clear to me that I was not happy with what I was doing and it wasn't lighting me up. And I struggled with anxiety majority of my life and I was going through some bouts of depression in my early 20s. And for me, when I had this account, right, like every day I would get to my desk and, you know, typically at like 6.45, when you get to your desk, you're supposed to be looking at the markets and like yeah. reading the Wall Street Journal and seeing what's happening overnight and all this stuff. And I was like going on Mind Buddy Green and Well and Good and Eater and Infatuation, like obsessively. I knew, I read every freaking article that came out yeah. in that space. And I said this to someone one time saying it was a red flag. And he was like, no, those are green flags. That's like, ding, ding, ding. This is where my heart and my head is at. Yeah. And I always was thinking how cool it would be to make my own hours and do my own thing and create and be in this space. But I was so wrapped up in the title of my job with my ego because I loved telling people that I was in sales and trading yeah, at JP Morgan. So smart. Like, oh my God, the yeah. amount of respect you get sure from elders, immediate. A thousand percent. I mean, when I read your bio and I was reading your story, I was like, legit, she's smart as fuck. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> like, like, which also, no, I you look, are. Can I just say something? I, I am smart. I won't, yeah. I'm not going to like downgrade myself. I do think I'm smart. However, I'm sorry to anyone who does this job. And I don't mean this across the business. I'm not saying that at all, but certain parts of these jobs we can train monkeys to do. Okay. And I will stand on the ground that my job, like it was a people job. Yeah. It's, are you a people person? Yeah. And I was able to connect with people. I think it's why I've been successful in this new career. Like right. my role was a hundred percent people role. I was walking down the train floor talking to everyone. I'm like, what are we doing for lunch? I was that annoying person. Yeah. Everyone knew it. I had, they had to give me a rule that I wasn't allowed to talk about lunch until 1030 in the morning. <laughs> So like none of this was surprising for my team. They were like, please go do what you care about. Yeah. Um, but you were still tied to it. But I was so tied to it. And also like golden handcuffs. You make really good money. Oh, yeah. And that was terrifying. And I always have to acknowledge, and I think it's so important, I come from a financially privileged family that allowed me a safety net to be like, I'm going to take this risk and go off on my own. And also the thing I was doing on my own didn't have overhead costs. It's not like I was trying to build a brick yeah. and mortar store or I needed product for like a clothing line. It was just kind of me. Like yeah. I was yeah. the one I'm line curious item. when you like took the leap, did you, like when you say that your family was helping you, like were they helping you pay rent or were, no. did you like have savings? Okay, so, like, so here we go. Okay. I, and I'm very open about all of this yeah. because I'm like, why are we lying? Yeah, totally. So my parents bought the apartment that I lived in for the first 10 years of New York wow, City. that's amazing. So I paid the maintenance, which ended up being like a, a New York City rent at the time, not in today's world, but not for the neighborhood. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have gotten me like a one flex two bedroom in Murray Hill, but I was living in a one bedroom in the West Village. Got it. So that privilege. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then 
I mean, I didn't have college debt to pay off. So like right. when I was making good money at JP, I was able to save it. Right. So I didn't have a credit card linked to their account yeah, that yeah, they were yeah. funding. They weren't doing any of that. But the privilege of my upbringing allowed me to help me get this job. Yeah. And also because I had no debt to pay off, I was then able to save the money I was making. Right. And I had then built a net for myself that was like, okay, I can do this. Yeah. And give yourself like a time frame. Yes. But also I have to acknowledge that like, if I ran out of that net, I also know that I could have called my parents, which is a huge totally. thing. So I they didn't on the show say the this, but I knew that I could have. Totally. I say this like literally all the time. It's like, what are the safety nets? Like, is it the cousin's couch? Is right. it like your parents? Like, what are the safety nets? I could have like, always know moved what home. Are. I could have moved yeah. in with my big which sister. Is, that, that is privilege. That's but it's a like, huge privilege. what are they? It's like, are yeah. you going to be like without food and a roof over your head or right. not? You I know? knew my consequences. Yeah. So I, when I eventually decided to leave, I was like, okay, how am I even going to make money? Because yeah. I think I had, I would love to know the number, maybe 5,000 followers on Instagram. Like it was not like I yeah, had yeah, built yeah. this huge thing. Yeah. In my head, I was like, okay, I'm a certified health coach now. So ideally I would have two clients. I built out a whole thing about like how I could make X amount a month yeah. between health coaching, potentially getting like one collaboration with a brand a month, mm -hmm. doing meal prepping for clients mm. and all of these things. I remember taking my dad out to dinner because not that, again, they weren't supporting me, but I wanted their blessing in like leaving this industry that yeah. they both were kind of in. And I know it was hard for them to grasp the idea of me leaving. Yeah. I laid it all out and I was like, I have X amount in my savings that I'm willing to deplete, not yeah. the whole thing, but X amount. And I'm going to give myself six months, which is like nothing, but I did. I decided to go off and do it. So I went back from disability. I told my boss, he thought I was crazy. <laughs> I'm sure he still does. I immediately sent out an email to literally everyone I knew being like, hey, I quit my job. I'm trying this new venture. So A, please follow me. B, here are like the services I'm offering. I would love to find this. I definitely still have you it on should. my laptop. Actually, can you like look for it? Of course. We can both yeah. Okay. I had put together this PDF of like my health coaching offerings, my meal prepping, my kitchen cleanouts, my grocery store walkthroughs. Also like to be clear, I definitely had some orthorexic tendencies. So there was like a lot of yeah. like food obsession at yeah. this era of my life. And I included this draft email of like, you literally can just forward this, speaking about myself in the third person to anyone you know. And quite honestly, that's how everything started because then it became this spider web. And so for six months, I was cooking for clients in their homes. I was running around New York City grocery shopping, going into their apartments, cooking their meals for them, prepping, cleaning the kitchen, stocking the fridge and leaving. I would do like two to three clients a day, Monday, How'd Tuesday, you know Wednesday. Oh, oh my God, are you kidding me? I, I like called all these people and then just made it up. <laughs> like, I don't know. It, it, also question, it, was there anyone in the space that you were seeing that was like doing something similar? Or were there you were, just like making it up? It was a mix of like what I was doing for myself that everyone was saying they were jealous of because I was prepping my meals. Mm. And therefore Joe, my now husband who was living with me, was getting his, his meals prepped. And my friends were like, I would do anything to just be able to grab something out of my fridge and take it to work. And you were like, but, really? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but here's the thing. I never wanted to like, I quickly learned. I didn't want to be in the um, like, service, okay. I guess. Yeah. Like in home service. In home service industry. Yeah. And also like, I did not want to build out this huge network of like chefs or cooks working under me who were meal planning. The whole thing logistically was- 
exactly. And I met with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was very like logistically a nightmare for me, the idea of growing. Yeah. I started to realize that like, I wasn't really happy doing it. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, wait, I didn't leave a job that I wasn't happy at to do another job I'm not happy at and make a 10th of the salary, if that. Yeah. So while this was all happening, I was sharing more about myself on my platform on Freckled Foodie. Once I quit my job. After you that you weren't Yeah. So after I quit my job, I showed my face on my platform. Yeah. Said what I was doing. And I remember my sister saying, if you ever talk to your camera, I'm shutting down your account. (laughs) And I was like, I would never. Are you kidding? Like, no way. Take my phone away. Never let me on Instagram again if I do that, which is so funny now. Um, And when I started sharing more about myself and then talking to the camera and I was sharing like mental health struggles and what I was going through, that's what, what... what was resonating with my community. And that's what I felt lit up by. So I took another kind of relook at everything. I think it was maybe eight months after I left and decided I was going to stop meal prepping and officially try and do like content creation. And again, privileges. At this point, I was married. I was on my husband's healthcare. He had a steady income. Not that I could not be making money, but like we had a paycheck at least that we knew was coming consistently. And that was four years ago. So no, I never could have dreamed of what I've built. And like, sometimes I really need to reflect back on that because it's helpful. Mm -hmm. Because it's so easy for me to be like, these people have grown so much and I'm still here. And I'm like, well, who cares? Yeah. So what's like right now, like, do you intentionally go into doing it with a goal in mind? Or is it just like presently day to day? Day to day. I wish I was someone who, well, that's not true. With my podcast, obviously, mm-hmm. I have to be more organized because things take time on the back end. Yeah. So I have to have the schedule of upcoming guests. Yeah. I have to have that content ready, all of those things. So that, yes, aspect of my life is pretty planned. Yeah. With the exception of solo episodes, every once in a while, I won't know what I'm talking about. And then one day, like for instance, me saying I was lonely, everyone's messaging me. So I'm going to record an episode tomorrow for next week about being lonely. Yeah. Like that happens. Um, but And those probably resonate. That's going to resonate the most. Yes. Yeah. But for the most part, the show is more structured, but honestly, I would like to make it even more structured with Really? More. Yes. I would like for post-baby podcast to be like bringing on more specialists in fields who can answer the questions that I want to talk about Mm, mm -hmm. and then doing solo episodes as well. Because yes, I've had on some great guests who are like creators and stuff, but I don't think that's what my audience personally is interested in. Um, And I think it's so dependent on what your audience comes to you for. And I don't think that that's what my audience comes to me for. And so I'm Is your podcast audience the same as your Instagram audience? Yeah, I would think that there's, I mean, I, you don't really ever know. Yeah, that's why I'm saying like but when you, like, yes. I guess like you see like download numbers. So you're like, okay, like they're into this. Yeah, well, right. Yeah. That's what I mean. And feedback I get yeah. on episodes. Yeah. Um, And then I also think when it comes to content, like for the most part, I'm just kind of whatever is happening is yeah. what's, especially with my stories. My stories are just whatever is happening that yeah. day. My content posts, whether it be TikTok or Reels or posts or whatever, it depends. Like I'll have certain things that I like to rely on as like a series because that's helpful Mm. when I have no creativity. So what the fuck is happening to my body or lazy effing dinners? Yeah. Those types of things. 
Um, but otherwise- like some sort of pillars and it's like freedom in a framework. Totally. Yeah. I think that's really helpful for the days where you have no idea what to do. Yeah. You can rely on some of your pillars and be like, yeah. okay, what can I create around this? That's the thing that I feel like I have not cracked for myself is the consistency of it all because I feel like I feel energy so well. And it's like when I feel like I'm just doing something to like check the box of like, I put something out today, like- I feel like it misses the mark. And also from the download perspective, like it doesn't hit the same. So then it's like, I'm seeing this feedback and I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to just like do it to do it. No, absolutely not. And you actually asked me this question, but then we got sidetracked of like- (laughs) the story of my podcast, but I don't even know what I answer on. Um, Of (laughs) like what was happening when I was feeling creative or- Yeah, like when you're on a lull, like what do you do in those Well, no, you- Yes, that I'm happy to answer. But you were asking how I, like what was happening when I was on my high before I got pregnant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I asked you a lot of things. For me, (laughs) there was new things happening in my life. We had just moved. So I was like, oh, Cam moves to the Burbs. It's going to be this whole series. Yeah. I'm going to take everyone through as we decorate our house and change things. And I had so many ideas. None of that happened because I got pregnant three weeks later and Mm -hmm. then was like in bed all day whenever I could be. However, I just felt really excited by work and I felt really excited by the ideas. And those are usually when I feel in flow. And when I feel in flow, things are just working for me. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. feeling great in my relationship with my husband. I'm feeling great with my friends. I'm feeling, I'm not filling all of my buckets, but my buckets have water in them. None of them are running on empty. And also it should be said, I was like microdosing psilocybin mushrooms, which is very helpful for all of this. Which I want to get into. I just felt very excited and like on top of it. And there were things that I was really looking forward to on the horizon. And I think that's where I'm struggling now where Mm. I don't have that creative drive that I'm so used to having. Mm. And that's where I feel I'm lacking. But when I have those feelings, like I can tap into that mentality of right before. So like January timeline, I was like, the world is my oyster. I can do everything I want to create. I want to do this. And going back to trolls in those moments, if I get a troll, it does not matter. It is like, brush it off. Don't Mm -hmm. care. Move on. In the moments of me feeling down on myself and I get a troll comment, I'm like, why do they think that? What did they, do? what did I, you know, spiral. Yeah. So it's a mindset. It's all a mindset. And I don't have the, I wish I had the answers to be like, this is how you tap into the former mindset because I'm trying. Well, we just but, like got attached to it. And I find myself there all the time yeah. too. You just get attached to like these versions that are just like, I don't think we're meant to be in them all the time. Right. Because I think that probably in these like lull periods, it's like actually forcing us into the next realm of whatever that past totally. version was. And it helps me appreciate yeah. that next version even more. Okay, how did you tap into mushrooms? Like when did you first start doing them? This is everyone's question for me and I don't feel this way around drugs. Okay, I, and I don't even like to call them drugs because I think they're plant medicine, but I gave up drinking in, I think February of 2022. Yes, I think that sounds right. I don't even know. And- when I stopped drinking, I felt so amazing. I was like, oh my God, there's rules. I am done with booze. Like I just kept feeling better and better and mm-hmm. better. Mind you, before that, I am an open cannabis user. I love cannabis. Yeah. 
It does magical things for me. Like I totally understand if people don't like the way it makes them feel. I don't like how it makes me feel. I, I love it how it I honestly makes me like, feel. I wish something did. <laughs> so <laughs> I love the way it makes me feel. It helps me like just tap into creativity. That's the other thing. Pregnant, I, you have to acknowledge that like I'm not do, yeah, using yeah, yeah. or partaking in any of these methodologies, right. methodologies that help me tap into my creativity. Yeah. So like pre-pregnancy, all of my content ideas came from majority, mm. came from me lying in bed post and edible and just my brain going to town on yeah. ideas. Like I have videos of me just talking to myself of like what I should do the next day. I love so <laughs> I had already entered the cannabis world. And when it came to psilocybin, I was very interested in it. Pre my first pregnancy, I really wanted to experiment. So I had this whole day set up. The day before, I was getting really weird cramps. And I was like, what is going on with my body? Like, I'm not due for my period for another week and a half. Mm -hmm. We weren't trying. And it was just very odd for two days to have these really intense cramping feelings. And so on a whim, I took a pregnancy test. I was at my parents' house. So it was like from my high school bathroom and it was positive. And I was utterly shocked, but needless yeah. to say, did not partake right. in this whole day I had planned the next day. <laughs> so then after giving birth, breastfeeding, going through postpartum, all of this, I just kept hearing more and more about it. And learning more and becoming more and more interested. Mm -hmm. So I started experimenting more in like a fun recreational setting. Where are you hearing it from? Uh, podcasts, shows, like Netflix documentaries. Mm -hmm. People in this space, like a lot of my friends had experimented mm -hmm. with it. Because don't you feel like it always like takes someone that you like trust, like they're like... Yes, a lot of my trusted friends. Okay. Um, so I started taking them recreationally like at weddings. Mm. And I was like, this is the, look, everyone do your own research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not for everyone. Yeah. I was having the time of my life. <laughs> then I started to hear more and more about like formal microdosing. I actually have never talked about this. I just realized like this was one of my boundaries. Mm. Uh, not for any you, reason. You cut it if you don't. No, no, no. I don't care. It was more because I didn't feel like answering 10,000 DMs about it because I like can't also give out sources of yeah, like yeah, yeah. illegal substances. <laughs> and because Meta has me on 10,000 content violation. No way. Oh my God. You should see my guideline violations. <laughs> no, I wasn't able to do paid partnerships for a month. No. They take away all of my tools. So like I have to be very, very careful what I share okay. on Instagram. I can't say sex. I can't say penis. I can't say nipple. I can't say mushroom. I can't say ed edible, cannabis, nothing. They oh have me God. in some system of like, this girl is, is a red flag. <laughs> is a red flag. I don't know. And you better believe I've sent 10,000 emails to Meta. So my subscribers know this, but I guess everyone else didn't. But I, maybe I've hinted at it. I don't know. I had on someone and on my show, and we talked a lot about the benefits of microdosing mm -hmm. and I had been reading and listening to a lot of podcasts about the topic, specifically around mental health and more specifically around the conversation in terms of traumatic brain injuries, mm. which hmm. bringing it back full circle, I yeah. have struggled with. So I started a microdosing program. I did it for two months. I had to- It's like in a facility. No, no, no. These oh. are like you're taking a capsule in the morning. Okay. And it's a mix of functional and psilocybin mushrooms, mainly functional mushrooms. So like, like what are functional? Like lion's mane? Yeah. So like you shouldn't okay. be feeling anything. You okay. shouldn't notice that you're 
taking anything. Got it. You know what I mean? It's not like you're tripping out every day. Got it. You shouldn't even feel a difference. A difference until you kind of are noticing like, wow, I have more energy or I'm more creative or I'm just generally happier. I had to cut, obviously stop cold turkey. I found out I was pregnant again. Another right. surprise. Um, I promise I know how safe sex works, but <laughs> I stopped. And so like, I think that had played a huge role into yeah. also this like heightened level of creativity, excitement, joy that I was feeling. Yeah. And then you stopped it. Yeah. And, and then, then you're planning on going back to it. Uh, yes, absolutely. I definitely want to okay. try again and like experiment more. I want to do more research on that because I feel like, I mean, I've heard Lauren Bostick talk about it as it pertains to postpartum mm -hmm. and that she tried literally everything until she started doing microdosing and that's the thing that actually helped her. And I mean, I have clients also that like it's completely eradicated their anxiety. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that there's something to it. And I, as someone who just like in general, like I said, like a control thing, like that's the thing that scares me. It's like, what I like is that you said that you don't really like change. Well, so with microdosing, obviously, again, I'm not a specialist and do your research. Yeah. But like, I wasn't feeling, I get like a how a control person, person yeah. doesn't want to take like a 10 milligram edible. A hundred percent can yeah, understand yeah. that. And I have so much anxiety, but for some reason. That's so interesting. No, because I think for me, I'm like, oh my God, finally my brain is just shutting the F up. Because I also have ADHD, so it's just constant. No, and no. for me, it's if I take an edible, I'm able to focus on something like I've never focused before. Like I mm. enter these tunnels of like, I can watch a show and not have 10,000 distracting thoughts and like want to pick up my phone every 10 seconds. That's heaven to me. Yeah, that does sound like heaven. I'm really going to research this after. So um, you touched on, if you have a second, just to talk about your oh, yeah. drinking journey. I mean, I feel like it's a topic that I talk about on the show all the time. And I feel like you're just a very relatable person. Thank what you. was this journey like? And like, how did the relationships in your life change? I feel like that's the part that not a lot of people talk about. Yeah. Okay. So going back, I had always been someone who grew up in a very like alcohol forward household. Mm -hmm. That's, I guess, the best way to explain yeah. it. Drinking was always like a big thing, a yeah. social aspect. And because of that, when I got to college, I was never like, oh my God, alcohol and blacking out every night. I was like, okay, alcohol. I always think I had a very healthy relationship with it. I never felt like I was abusing it. I was never the person that... I honestly don't know if there were any nights other than one I can think of where like I had to be taken care of. Mm. I was never like that person. Yeah. And so more I felt I was always the person that people were pressuring, like, come on, get drunker. And I was like, I'm drunk. I'm just still functioning. Yeah. Like, I don't want, what? Yeah. And I had a moment after my accident where I had to stop drinking for, I think it was six months. And that one really messed with me because I felt like it wasn't my decision. I was like, well, this is unfair. My life just got altered so much. That was such a large part of my social identity of going out and having drinks with my friends or my husband and something I loved. Like I love, I actually enjoy the taste of alcohol. Otherwise Same. I wouldn't drink it. Like Same. I love a good margarita. A Negroni. <laughs> oh, I don't love Negronis, but really? I love a margarita. I, okay, lo I wish I like, loved margaritas. They seem so fun. I, tequila is my kryptonite. Mm. Like I will <laughs> drink it on the rocks with lime and be happy. Yeah. So it was never that, that I was abusing it or that I felt like I couldn't control myself. But then when I had a child in postpartum, I struggled a lot with my mental health and I noticed that it was just exponentially worse after a night of drinking. And I don't even mean like I wasn't going out clubbing. I had a baby, but even just like a glass of wine here or two margaritas there or something, 
I noticed, especially on those days that I was like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to mom today. Mm-hmm. And that was a big wake up call for me. Cause I was like, wait a second. I think I'm an amazing mom and I love this. So why am I doing something that actively makes me want to not do that? Mm-hmm. Every time I heard someone speak about their decision to give up alcohol, I would feel jealous. And again, I realized- Was there someone like specific? Melissa Wood, actually. I talked about this when yeah. she was on my show. I don't know why she specifically stands out in my mind, but I just feel like she- And um, also like when she did it, and same by the way, when she, it's, it feels like there was just like this force that happened in her life after. Yes. And I also deeply resonate with her. And we talked about this in our episode a lot of we feel very similarly about like past versions of ourselves and we've Mm. got some demons in there that can be (laughs) untapped. And so I've always connected with her on that. And when she would talk about this, I'm like, God, I'm jealous. Like, that's amazing. And then I was like, wait, I can be jealous of someone because they're six feet tall or they have naturally beautifully curly hair. Mm -hmm. But this is something I'm deciding to do. So one night I had a double date. It was not even like a crazy night. It was me and one of my best friends, Emily Dinata. We went out with our husbands, had a few drinks. And the next day I was like, I think I need to take a break. I honestly thought it was going to be a week, if that. And now... I don't even know how long it's been. It was a year. Then I got pregnant. So like it's been a long time now. Um, And just every time, again, I never had this black and white line of I will never drink again or I need to make it to three months. It was just constantly like if you want to have a drink, you can have a drink. It doesn't have to be this big thing. But I just kept not wanting to have a drink. And then it didn't even become a part of the conversation. Like we'd sit down for dinner and I would just get so a mocktail. it didn't really affect like your relationships or were no. people, like asking you like, how come you're not? Like, cause if my friends, your friends are were like, so drunk, supportive. More drunk. My friends are the most supportive That's people amazing. in the world. Like literally- you felt like zero judgment. My biggest cheerleaders. No, zero judgment. If anything, a lot of them were like, this has opened my eyes. Um, no, I felt absolutely zero judgment. And with my husband, that was one thing that I remember feeling with the accident, like this shifted our relationship. Oh my God. Because it was more, I was projecting all of my shit. I was like, like, is this who you signed up for? Now I can't drink. Now I can't go out. I couldn't even be in a bar. That was the big difference. Like Mm. I couldn't sit in a bar or a restaurant or anything because of the sound. So we had no, all of that part of the city living that we had was like stripped from me. And I asked him because that's everyone's first question. Like, well, how does your husband feel about it? And I was like, does any part of you miss me drinking? And he was like, absolutely not because you are such a happier version of yourself. And like, why would that affect me? He said the only thing is if we're at a restaurant and he wants a glass of wine or like we used to like split a bottle of wine. He's like, that was just easier, but who cares? Like that toss up is not even at all part of the conversation. I love that. So, yeah, I mean, everyone has been a big supporter. Yeah, and I love the, like, gray of it all, that it's not, like, a hard rule. I feel like this movement happened and it was, like, so intense and so many people swung in the pendulum of, right, like, and never again. It doesn't have to be this big thing. Yeah, it doesn't And, like, have, I'll take sips yeah. of my husband's drink yeah. or other people's drinks. I'm like, yeah. ooh, let me try that. Or I'll even have a drink, personally. Like, I didn't drink for, like, over a year at all and then I was, like, I want, I was in Europe and I was, like, I want a Negroni. Good. I, no, totally. Go and I, felt, I mean, I still feel it and it's, like, I chose to feel that. Right. Whatever, it's fine. It's just a 
decision. But it's just cool to see just the whole movement happening. And that like, I do think that in every movement, the pendulum swings in a really intense direction and then falls in a more totally. like, normal place. Absolutely. Is that what the question I ask everyone, which yeah. is what is something that you've unlearned or are currently unlearning that you feel like you have learned in a resourceful way that's actually like useful to your life now that used to not be? It's nice to be nice. Mm. Like I was such a not nice person for majority of my life to myself and to others really? and just very critical. Mm. And I just have no energy for it anymore. How did you unlearn it? Uh, honestly, I think part of it was with this job, like seeing how mean people can be and being like, wait, you don't know what's happening. You don't know me. You don't know any of this. And then flipping that script anytime I went to go critique someone else, whether it be to a friend and like shit talk or in my own brain, I'm like, I actually have no fucking idea what's happening. So why do I care? Yeah. Yeah. Like I have no time for shit talk anymore. I love Literally it. my friend, we were all together the other night and she was like, are you still like not shit talking people? Because I really want to say something. <laughs> I was like, you can say whatever you want, but I really don't think there's a need. I'm not going to engage. Like just why? Why? Yeah. Totally. The phase that I'm in with that right now and like I feel like I can go into like hyper judgment zone is like when friends are doing that and I'm like, I just don't like it. And then I'm like judging them for doing that. So yeah. then it's like it becomes like a- Oh, well, I'll say to them, I'm like, girl, this is all because of how you feel. Yeah. And then that kind of gets me out of my judgment because I say it. I'm like, oh my God, you're saying all this because you're insecure about X, Y, Z. And yeah. they're like, whoa, okay. Totally. Nail on the head. <laughs> Okay, so you're having the second baby. What is there? What? Where can we like send our listeners to? to oh, like um, to see what's going yeah. on. Yeah, my Instagram and my TikTok is at Cameron Oaks Rogers, and my podcast is Freckled Foodie and Friends. I have a new episode every Wednesday morning with your media. With your media, and that's it. Those are the places. I love it. Thank you so much. This is so fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for getting to the end of the episode. And more importantly, thank yourself for choosing to learn more about how to come home to yourself. As always, take what resonates with you and simply let go of what doesn't. I would really appreciate it if you can give the show five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is that you listen, because that's the way that the show will continue to grow. And we are all about growth here. I'm sending you so much love and I will see you next week.